my name is Ariel Renee Jackson. I am a multidisciplinary artist and curator of Cage Match Project, a gallery that lives in an industrial cage trailer. This weathered and rusted container resides in a gravel parking lot in Austin, Texas, where it is under constant exposure to the elements and 24-hour public viewership. As its current curator, it has been my goal to bring together artists of color whose practice aims to confront, resist, and manipulate the cage and its notions of confinement, separation, and rigid structure. This podcast is an extension of that goal, serving as a platform for conversation around these ideas and to promote artists of color whose practice contributes to the continual analytical and artistic practice of navigating concepts and histories of the cage. Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Cage Match Project podcast. I'll be finishing this season off with five artists of color whose practices address notions of the cage. These artists are not round artists, but these conversations work to confront, resist, and manipulate the cage and its notion of confinement, separation, and rigid structure. Today we have Ame Everett, a New Orleans native currently based in Austin, Texas. Everett creates visual diaries through abstract paintings, utilizing her thoughts, inspirations, and experiences as inspiration for generating line and color. Her work explores portraying silence, oftentimes using a circular surface of wood or canvas. Welcome, Ame. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much. I am doing well. I wanted to start off with talking about how we understand cages as shapes that determine space through its determining parameters. So um, in your practice, how does silence move you to shape space on the canvas or panel? For women, it's always, it's often seen as a good thing that a woman is, you know, there but silent, but at the same time, you know, she's not offered the space to speak her mind. So in a lot of ways, that's what holds us back. I wanted to approach my silences and the ones that have been given to me and the ones that have been taught to me by the only way that I know, the best way that I know how to communicate, which is through color, shape, and texture. Because I believe as humans, those are the best nonverbal communication that we have. You know, the way you dress, the colors you choose can speak volumes. And so... I wanted to take those, because those are kind of seen as silent communication. So take that with the silences I've had and, and pair them together and speak to people in a way that I think transcends words. I want to go back to what you said about um, pairing silence with these visual modes of communication. The cage itself has all these notions of retaining and and silencing in a lot of ways in terms of limiting our movements. There is with the cage, perhaps this notion of escape. Thinking back on what you just said about there being the ways in which women are silenced and there being these other modes of communication is kind of like the notion of silence is to limit our ability to express ourselves. And so it's interesting to me to think about how your practice looks to create a subversive way to communicate. That visual language then in the work that you 
make is the circle and the line. And so can you talk a little bit about the relationship between these two forms and how they inform your thoughts on silence? A lot of the times the things that I've been silenced about or the things that I don't speak on that keep representing itself in my life because I haven't created that space for myself to speak or I haven't created that language for myself to speak, it's cyclical. I represent that with the circle because most of these thoughts, they're not conquered thoughts. They're not conquered silences. They still exist in myself because it's ingrained there, right? So there's things that I always have to approach. There are things I always have to work at. So the circle represents, represents that this thought is constantly there and I'm constantly battling it and I'm constantly convening with it or approaching it. I wanted to have these lines that kind of stop or they continue because the, the thought may stop. And that's when I'm like, wait, what, what is this? Or what is this silence? Let me, let me investigate it. Or it just continues its, its, its way because I don't know how to approach it. So the thought just continues itself into that circle. So in a lot of my pieces, the, the line will go completely through to each end. So it's completing that circle. And sometimes it has a separation or it stops because it's a time when I can confront it. So I kind of use the lines as almost like my Morse code where it continues on. It'll stop and continue, can stop and, con- and continues, but it's always communicating. When people approach your work, do you find that they are able to see that narrative that you are you are conveying on the canvas? Are they able to uh, voice that narrative to you, or is that beside the point? Um, I I do get a lot of people that say that they understand it and they get it without me completely divulging everything that I was thinking and making it. And they get it and they add their own to it, or to them it takes on a whole nother meaning, which is amazing in and itself because you know once the work is created I have an intent behind behind it but once it's out in the world I really can't control how somebody else digests what I've created right I kind of get this this I guess like these butterflies in my stomach when someone's like yeah I see that and this is how it makes me feel because I have a piece that I, I was showing at a show and someone's like this really makes me uncomfortable and I was like that's great because that's what it's for it's a piece that is about shedding armor. So there's these two lines that kind of melt away this gold leaf that I've treated the piece with. And this guy was like, I have these two lines that are here. They're just, they're interrupting me. They're interrupting how I want to see the piece. They're interrupting like, why didn't you go all the way through? And I was like, that's the point. The point is to disrupt and take off this armor that I've created. The piece is called disarmament. And, you know, he was, he was disturbed, but it was, great for me because that's the thing is that we've created with these with some of these silences we have these armors that that we've created to keep them at bay or to to keep them in and so for him to be kind of disturbed by it it was for me saying that I I did my job of explaining how uncomfortable it can be to, to let down your armor right so you know in some cases some people see it and they're like oh this is refreshing and some people are sort of disturbed by it, but I really guess I can't control that. So, Yeah, it makes me think about um, how everyone has a different association with um, with death, right? Or everybody has a different reaction to depression. 
Some people will respond with affirmations as just a natural um, go-to. And some people may respond with a worst case scenario. It's interesting that there are some, some of your works where the titles serve as like an explanation. So for example, even after the sky has delivered harsh days, we look up to see her shining and offer relentless forgiveness. I want to be shown the same mercy. And so that's a blurb for one of your works called A Compilation of the Sky. And so there's this relationship, right, between narration and abstraction. Oftentimes it seems there needs to be a like a poetic interpretation along with the abstraction, like an abstraction to describe an abstraction. How are you, yeah, how are you understanding your relationship between narration and then having the abstraction or the abstraction serve as like a an illustration for that? We're surrounded by abstractions. And I feel like our words are abstractions that we've all agreed upon mean this thing, right? And our emotions are abstractions that sometimes we don't even understand. And so we expect people to be able to have dialogue or talk to us about our emotions and their emotions with another abstraction, with it, which are words, and we still don't get across. So I want to be able to offer that same familiar feeling with an abstraction, with words, with an abstraction, so we can take both of these things or all four of these things or however long that abstraction and, um, you know, familiar state continues and look at them and be able to pair them together. Because I don't want you to stare at the, the abstraction and, and get lost in it. I want you to stare at it and bring along something that's familiar. So this color, this line, and these words, and you can build that together yourself Yes, and come up with some sort of emotion or some sort of picture. You are exploring interiority in a sense. And we were talking about this the other day, and I want to actually see if I can find that article by Lady Sasha. Lady Sasha is a curator and um, and she has a series of writings where she um, breaks down and contextualizes this term. Black. Black is, you know, what you and I just define ourselves as. Interior, um, the internal. And then art is the manifestations of that cultural production. In this case would be your paintings. And then you also have this cultural, the cultural aspect of communication, right? Exactly how you were saying, like the abstraction of that communication and trying to describe a feeling that, a, a feeling that needs help in being communicated, like using material, using form, um, using shape and color. And so I just want to read an excerpt from what Lady Sasha writes in her article on Black interior art. The interior is the inner life and imaginary, an inwardness, deep thought, affect, and resonance. It is of its own making and conditioning. Interiority is open and willful, transformative and unfolding, self-reflexive, holding an intimacy and capacity for self-possession, self-awareness, and self-fullness. Like when Jill Scott Heron recites, I did not become someone different that I did not want to be. Also goes on to say, the interior is not neutral or universal, representative or inclusive. It is not of resistance or corrective practices, neither an alternative state nor one of retreat. And so I want to 
consider that piece of text with your work because um, when looking at your paintings, it feels, I feel like that's what is occurring, that there is this inwardness that is happening, this space of being present, standing in its power, in, in, its, in its privacy, right? Um, while also being open, open to meaning and how that transforms, but also like having a self-awareness. And I think that's where the text comes in because I think sometimes when it comes to abstract paintings, interpretation is so wide to the point where it can get away from what its true intentions are. I appreciate it whenever I see text that adds a bit of scaffolding. And I think that informs how people, like where people go in their interpretation. It is me confronting and not running away. It's me sitting, researching, and open up, opening up the boxes of myself that I, one, did not know I need to, needed to investigate, and ones that I did not know investigating would be welcoming a new version of myself every time I do an investigation. And it's not a new version of myself that never existed. It's a new version of myself that I'm allowing myself to meet. And so I think all of that is correct. I think it's, it's also, it's empowering. And it's, it's, it's me hoping that someone else seeing this and interpreting this, that they can also take that time to investigate themselves. And to your point about that scaffolding, scaffolding work of abstraction, I think it is important to give a little bit of insight into what it is or why you're creating it. For me, at least. I know there's other abstract artists who want to create a complete abstract about form, and they have their reasons for that. But I think in the way in which why I'm creating and how I'm creating, I think it's important to give insight into why I'm doing it, because this is to break and confront silences and to not be able to express that and to not be able to communicate that in all ways to my viewers is, I guess, in a way hypocritical. And so I think words are very important. And so a lot of the times before I even come up with the composition, words are floating around my head. And a lot of the times my sketches are just words. And I can see how these words would look as a painted surface. And so then after I have these words, and then I go to construct a visual field or, or composition, right? So I think it is important to be able to, even if it's a little cryptic, you know, you can take these cryptic words and decide what they mean for you and look at the piece. So, yeah. I mean, the, the repetition that you have of, of using the circle and a line, it's a, it's a language. I mean, you're developing a language that you can speak with. Yeah, you're having this conversation on a surface with its clear parameters of being a circle. And there is a, um, you know, a symbology that, that, that exists with that. So that, and, and I think it has a lot to do with just, um, you know, how design has been used um, both as a marketing, not in terms of sale, but in terms of like communicating to a broad public as well as a as well as one that is steeped in a a an indigenous uh history and so that that to me is interesting because i think it's particular to and uh let me know if you agree i think it's particular to the black diasporic 
um, experience. Yes, definitely. I went to a exhibition, I believe it was at Noma, can't really remember, but it was about quilters from, I believe it was South Carolina. And I think this is a, the great thing also about exploring yourself, because I feel like as a Black American, we have so many hidden and silenced cultures within us that we don't know, right? And I think it comes out in our making. And the quilters would put symbols and they would put codes throughout these quilts to celebrate, communicate with the community. And I think a lot of my working is coming out from these lives and these voices that live within me that I don't know. But I think this is a language that is there, that lives within our diaspora and our community. This is interesting to me because it reminds me of my own kind of feelings and conversations with other Black artists who are interested in Black knowledge. Um, this feeling that, you know, it's something that we don't know or something that is out of reach. And I am very interested in how we do know. And, and I would say that um, all the language and the way that you're using it you, in terms of color and shape it is you knowing. I think it's a matter of recognizing is where we are in our in our research is that we are um, seeing trying to see ourselves, but in within the parameters of language, right? Like that's what when I think about research. I mean, there's different forms of research. There is, you know, field research where you are just experiencing, but there's also you know the research where you are reading up on language and everything. And I think there is this desire. So when so when we talk about silence, I wanna I wanna just um, I want to break that open a little bit. To be silenced is a, I think it comes out of a colonial history, right? But at the same time, to be silent is to listen to yourself. So there's these two, these two ways of going about it. And I just want for our listeners to know that this is not a matter of like, the work that you're creating is both like a spiritual process as well as one of resistance where you are speaking despite being silenced, which, you know, I wanted to see if this resonates with you. For myself, I feel there are a lot of times where in school where I will, you know, make artwork that is very pointedly pointing towards my Blackness, my Black narrative, my personal Black narrative, and is often met with silence. A kind of like, oh, well, this is not my experience, therefore I cannot relate to you. And for me, abstraction has been a way for me to have that conversation without feeling like I need to be affirmed. Definitely. So I create an abstraction because I want to, not because I have to, because I want to. And I think that is another greater resistance because as a Black artist, I get a lot of people that want me to paint the Black body. All throughout school, especially, that was the thing. It's like, oh, you should paint Black people. You know, you should paint Black people. You should paint like this. You should create like this. And I'm like, no, this is this is what I want to create. And this is a resistance. And this is a way for me to harness a silence as a weapon, right? It's to confront these silences, but then to make these, these pieces to say, I'm here. I've created these things which would never have existed if I didn't create it. So there's power in that. When I first started painting um, abstractions, there was this silence of 
them not, not being able to identify to like not see themselves to like yeah yeah like yes. I don't I don't see how this relates to me but when you know when when you're confronted with a a shape like a square or a circle I mean and 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 that depends right because I think there are definitely people who when they see black abstract artists they're like well where is the politics where are the politics where yeah. are the where is the violence where is the violence that has been committed against yeah. you where is your vulnerability and I think, um, at least for myself, I think that the beautiful vulnerability that occurs when when Black people embrace abstraction is this going inwards, you know, this this right to to be an individual that is complex. It's great that you say that because I was just having this conversation with a friend, and I get a lot of times from galleries or places that one of um, represent my work and they're like oh well can you you know add more pictures of yourself like to your Instagram people want to see you I don't create to be seen in that way they don't need to see me they need to see the work and I think that's very indicative of how they want to sell black artists is they they want people to know that a black person made this right do you get what I'm saying right right well okay you bring that up and I think about David Hammonds I mean because David Hammonds is notorious for not showing up to his openings. Right. Um, he's notorious for just like not being seen. And and everyone is always like reading into his work and thinking about him. So I feel like it's something that we can't we can't escape anyway. You know, people will always want to know who is speaking. I think it, I think it brings up this desire to connect and this desire to to have access. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it either way. I almost just don't don't think about it. But to have um, someone pressure you to include a body when that's not what you're interested in, it really does go to show you about how black artists and black bodies are, are marketed. And, you know, I don't really think about it until someone asks me for it. Like, I, I'm just making. And then once I'm presented with that again, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Because while you're, you know, while you're in the process of making and you're excited about this body of work you've made, while you're confronting yourself, I guess you forget, in a way, your physical self. Because I'm not confronting my physical self in most cases. I'm confronting my spiritual, mental. Yeah. Self. You're having a human experience and you're communicating right. that. <laughs> right. right. And I'm like, oh, you want to see my skin. Right. I right. forgot. You know? Yeah. So before we wrap things up, well, as we wrap things up, I want to go back to the cage just because I really, um, there was something I mentioned at the beginning in terms of there being an escape hatchet or there being like this, what is it? The cage being this idea of like this impenetrable force that you can't move past. But at the same time, there are all these holes, all of these pockets that kind of like express the possibility that you can't escape. Or that, and, and I don't mean escape. Well, yeah, I guess I mean escape, but like that there is no, the limitations start to fall away. What we've been talking about is the barrier of representation, maybe. The barrier of representation, both in that there are not enough Black abstract artists that ha that are part of the canon. I mean, we have a lot of greats. We just, last week I was talking to Terquase Dyson. Um, you know, we do have like abstract artists who are making the way, but, you know, making a way out of no way. 
And I guess like, yeah, thinking about the cage in that way and thinking about how, how in your practice and there are other practices that I think are similar in yours in terms of considering what does, what is the form and material and symbolic language that best describes our emotions as a way to be, as a way of expressing our humanity that is breaking past like this rigidness of if you are black, the only way you can talk about your humanity is through your black body. To go back to the cage, I think those openings where those little lights shine through, I think that's where artists flourish. I think these openings that we've been given are like, oh, you, you've let light in and now I'm going to find a way to bust this open and to yes. release other people. So I think the cage, maybe for some people, they're only looking at the bars that keep them in. But as an artist, I'm like, oh, there's an opening. How do I, how do I fit myself out of that? How do I get out? And I think those openings for an artist are, you know, where we flourish. It is what we see and we take that and transform it. Um, I love that. And to go back to your point about, you know, I'm still also as an artist, because I think it's also part of that when you were talking about colonization, I think it's still part of that, oh, maybe I should just paint black people. Maybe I should just do this because I can. So maybe I should. But I think it was um, Tiona McLaughlin, I believe. Yeah, Tiana McLaughlin. Yeah, I, I love her work. I absolutely love her work. I love her work, her writing. And she said right now, as an artist, is the time you make the work that you were meant to work make. Don't make what someone wants you to make. Yeah. If you're not making work that is super political and like to the point political, don't do that. Make what you make and stay strong to that. Cuz there cuz we need to see that. We need yep. we need to see it. We need to as much as we, you know, may need to see black bodies being painted, we need to see black minds being painted. Yes. Yes. And I think the work that you make and the work that I make needs to be seen as well. It doesn't need to just be because we're not just pain. Because if we were just pain, we would no longer exist. But we've endured and flourished with pain. We also have joy. We also have love. We also have compassion. We also have, you know, we're also intellectual. And I think all of those things need to be explored and need to be seen. Yes. So I think with the holes in the cage, <laughs> we have capitalized on showing those things. And maybe we don't get the recognition, but we know, I know as a little black girl that there were people making things that I wanted to read. There were athletes that I, like, I loved Flojo as a little girl. So there were people who may have not been put on the pedestals that, you know, the white community has. But as a little girl, I am able to read and write and make because other black people and especially women have made. Yes. In the canon that they want to speak in. Yep. So Octavia Butler. I mean, yep. yeah. Exactly. I just want to thank you for giving us your time, um, giving us your space and energy. And I really appreciate the work that you do. And yeah, I just want to thank you for agreeing to be part of this podcast series. <laughs> I want to thank you for thinking of me it's great to have this conversation conversation now especially during you know 
these quarantine times and we're so far away from our, our community that we can't be together and have these great conversations. So this was a bright light right now that I needed. So I appreciate it. Thank you.